Hey everybody, today we're gonna to be talking with my really close friend. Her name is Cami Stoddard. She is a managing director with Beauty Counter, mom of two adorable gingers, and a very, very wonderful friend. Her mother has early onset Alzheimer's as well. We're gonna talk with her today about all things toxicity, how to keep your home free of bad stuff, and keep yourself using good products that are safe. So Ramsey introduced us as like, hey, you guys should talk because your moms are both going through the same journey. But then we realized, well, we have like 1,800 other things in common besides Alzheimer's disease, so we became good friends. But Cami is such an interesting friend because not only is she like five years further in this journey with me, but she's also a complete expert in all things how not to get Alzheimer's disease, <laughs> which is like debatable, right? That we can even potentially ward this off. It's something called genetics. Epigenetics. Epigenetics. It's not debatable. It's true. I don't know. We're, we can talk about that. I'm still like not 100% sold on any of this, but um, we're just going to talk about how um, basically Alzheimer's affected both of us. And Cami, I would love for you just to talk a little bit about like how your mom was diagnosed and what her life looked like as she was moving up towards the diagnosis. Because we all know there's like this gray zone of like, what's wrong with mom? She's not remembering stuff or she's like being forgetful. Is it just menopause? Is it something else? So like, what did that look like for your mom? That's a really good question. So probably 12 years ago was when we really started noticing the signs of it. And, you know, it was just little things here and there. Like she was repeating herself constantly. We were having the same conversations over and over again. And like full conversations, not just like the same quick, you know, like snippet of a story? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think it progressively got worse, but in the beginning it was probably just repeating herself and I would be like, what is happening? You Why just told she... me that. Yeah, you just told me that, mom. And so what I'm would trying she to think, say? how old was I? So I'm 38 now, minus 12, 26. So don't ask me to do math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I don't know, I'm just trying to think because I was here in Nashville, so I wasn't, she lives in Florida with my dad and I wasn't there, so it was all through phone calls. Oh, right, um, right, right, right. And so, you know, it would be like she and I would be chatting on the phone, and she would tell me something that she had literally just told me, like, five minutes prior. Like, just said it. Yes. Um, and would, when you said, Mom, you just told me that, what would she say? She'd be like, oh, whatever. You know, she just kind of, like, brushed it off. My mom compensated, like, every single time I drew it to her attention. She'd be like, oh, I know, but I was just saying it again because, you know, I thought that was important. Or, yeah. like, there was always, like, a compensation piece. Like, she knew she had done it or she was right. trying to Right, right, it. right, right. Like I don't I, think I, my mom did that. I don't think. But I would think my dad was the one who first alerted me to it and just kind of asked me to watch for signs and symptoms because he had noticed it himself. And so for a long time, it was just something that only he and I talked about, you know, and I'm sure that the two of them were talking about it as well, but he wanted to keep it this big secret while he figured out what it was. And I feel like we kept it a secret for a really long time, which is terrible because looking back, I wish I knew now, then what I know now, because I feel like there were so many other things that I could have been doing to help her. And to slow it. Right. And to slow the progression of the disease or stop it. And I I don't know. I just, I didn't, I don't think I was as act, like progressively or as actively like searching for answers as I am now. So 
Well, know, I feel like the disease is what propels that search for right. answers. Oh yeah, for sure. Like who for the sure. hell that doesn't have Alzheimer's in their family is even thinking about it. And right. that's the whole reason I'm doing this podcast is no one thinks about it. No one right. talks about it. It's just some old person's disease. Right. It's not something that's going to happen to you until you're like in your eighties and right. probably in a home. Right. Which, and it's not an old person's disease. You know, my mom's <clears> mom <throat> had had it and you know, she was old. She actually had some form of like E. coli or something that really set her off. She was in the hospital for like, I don't know, two weeks or so. And then right after she got out, she started having signs. Her decline? Yes. And so, and she was, was probably it in fact Alzheimer's 75 or, or just 80. dementia? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. But ultimately, I don't know. I actually have no idea. It, like if they autopsied her. I'm not sure I knew that about your grandmother. Oh, really? Yeah, well, my I mean, mom's I, mom. I knew that she had like, well, you've always said like Alzheimer's, but like right. that's an interesting theory to explore. Right. Because everybody thinks, oh, if my grandmother had it and my mom had it, I'm going to get it for sure. Right. And that's not true. Right. There's like only three or four families in the whole world that, and I think one's in like Median, where Pablo Escobar was from. Oh, yeah. I've read all about them. And, and it's like the generations are getting right, younger and younger. Right, 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 right. When they start showing signs. But it's not like, I think your chances of getting it if a, if a, parent has it is what like a third higher like 33 percent higher maybe i don't know but it's not actually genetic like that um i mean always like so many people think it is at least right. I, well, i'm gonna keep telling what genes you have. i'm gonna keep telling myself that until <laughs> i absolutely have diagnosed but okay so oh, keep no. going so keep talking about your mom. um so well my grandmother and so yeah so she you know ultimately so she had that episode you know where she was in the hospital um on her deathbed, essentially lived and then suddenly started showing signs of dementia. And I, I, like I said, I don't know if it was diagnosed as Alzheimer's. How but, long was she? Did she live after that? Um, she lived until her early 80s, I want to say, maybe mid 80s. Um, so she lived for like eight more years, maybe eight or nine more years after yes, that happened? Yes. That's crazy. Yes. I'm trying to think of the timeline of that. Yeah, she was probably like mid to late 70s when she was in the hospital. And then. And it does um, often seem like, especially the younger onset people, like it does come on sort of longer. suddenly. Right. Oh, yes. Right. Yes, or I mean, maybe there's some sort of trigger event. I don't yes. know. But there was that trigger event for my and grandmother. Wait, and I want to touch on that too. Yeah. Both of our moms had yes. breast cancer. Yes. Premenopausal, right? Yes. Pre-men- my mom was 30, my age. I mean, early, younger than me, 37. Mine was 39. She was diagnosed. My age now. And they both only had radiation. Right? No, my mom had chemo and radiation. Oh, she did she have had chemo. Both. Mm-hmm. Mine only had radiation. But I think it's so interesting that both of them had that exact same progression. Yes. And they're not the only two. There are a lot of women who have early onset Alzheimer's who had some sort of hormonal disease or interruption. Cancer disease. Right. Interruption. And then ultimately. Did your mom take Alzheimer's. birth control pills? Probably. I don't know. Mine did. I'm for, sure she did. What did you tell me that was like how long I should be on them for? Like, um, isn't it 10 years max? 10 they, years max. Right. I mean, that's still not good. I think my mom was on them for like 18 years. No uh, joke. Yeah. Probably longer. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, you know, when we were talking about it being an old person's disease, my mom started showing signs when she was 55. That is early. I mean, that's us not even 20 years from now, which is crazy. You know, I, like... I was thinking back to like, I feel like whenever I was planning my wedding to my husband, um, 
she was involved in the process, but sort of, and that's when I was really noticing the signs because she was taking RSVPs and things were just really falling through the cracks. Um, so that's whenever I feel like it was becoming more of a reality for me of like, wow, this is really happening. Something's wrong. Right. You know, I I think too, whenever you're in your twenties, you assume your parents are invincible and nothing's going to happen to them. And, um, yeah, I don't know. So that's whenever I started kind of really realizing that this was not something my dad was making up and I was really having to face head on. Yes, exactly. And yet you don't like want to. I mean, denial was a huge piece for my brother. I mean, he just over and over. She's yeah. fine. She hit, she hit menopause. Like all right. women get wonky in menopause. And of course, I'm like, what do you know about menopause? Right. But, <laughs> or what do I know for that matter? But right. like definitely and from a distance, I was like, you know, no, like this is more than you know, estrogen related memory loss. Like she's forgetting whole conversations that we've had, Right. you know, 10 minutes later. Right. So how quickly did your mom progress? I know all this already, but I want you to, I just kind of want you to share a little bit. uh, It's been a slow progression. I feel like she does, she plateaus for a while, then has a decline, plateaus for a while, has a decline. And it's been like that for the past 12 years, honestly. You know, they did put her on Mirena, no, that's a birth. Wait, Nemenda. Erisad. Mirena. Mirena is a, um, that would be an interuterine device. An interuterine device. <laughs> not Paragard, not the copper, but the one no, with no, hormones. Not Mirena. Erisad. Thank you. They did put her on And Aricept. both will make you crazy. <laughs> FYI. Don't use them. Oh, Lordy. That's um, the one that can flip out, isn't it? The Mirena. The Mirena. Oh, isn't that? Oh, no, no. That's the, par- that's the, um, that's the ring. The ring. Oh, that's oh, different. I don't remember. Well, I do. Uninfo- so un- unfortunate experience with the ring. <laughs> okay, fact Alzheimer's. Less about that. Um, so your mom is currently. Um, well, currently four two five one. Okay, she was born in fifty one. So how old does that make her? Um, oh, she'll be turning sixty nine this year. In November. And my mom's turning 70 in August. Yeah. And she is currently in a memory care facility in Florida, like a mile away from my dad. And how was that? Um, How was that from... Actually, hang on. I'm going to preface this for a second. My biggest fear is that day, like walking my mom into a memory care facility. Like, what did that look like? What did the buildup look like that for, for your family? Like how, what, at what point did the disease start affecting your dad so much that you started pushing him even to make this decision? Cause I know he didn't want to. Right. You know, I'm trying to think he actually proactively, I think without my pushing, put her on the list at this place because there was a long, it, it's basically a memory only place. So there's nobody else there other than people who have like memory issues and he put her name on the wait list just to see if they could even have a spot. But I don't know. You know, it, it has affected my dad so much. I mean, I've watched him go through so many different, like, emotions about this. Depression. Oh, depression. You know, suicidal thoughts. Can you tell the story about how he, when he had to go to the hospital? Um, recently. Recently. 
Wait, my dad? Wait, no, what are you talking about? The one where like they called the ambulance and he was like more worried about your mom. Didn't you tell it at my event last year as um, part of your speech? Whenever she had the seizure in the bathtub? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like the ultimate that finally why we ended up, you know, putting her in the care unit. But, you know, I mean, I think people really underestimate the effect that it has on the caretakers who are really, I mean, you're included in this. It sucks. I, I don't know how you do it. That's like a whole other conversation. But, um, but the effect that the, it has on the caretaker because you have this living parent who is going through so much and then another living parent that you have two patients, right? You have two patients. It's like, you've lost both of them to this disease. And like, let me get emotional about it. But like, this is an Alzheimer's podcast. We're going to get really emotional. It's okay. Oh my gosh. I know. I just like, sometimes I don't like to go there, you know, but, and, and why don't we like to go there? If we did the level of pain that we experience through all of this, it's like you have to keep a damper on it at all times because the second you like, it's like a coffee pot or like a teapot, you hit the nozzle and the steam starts coming right. out and like the whole top blows off. Totally. I don't know. Like I have whole days where I stuff it and I stuff it and then I just cry for like a full day or two days. Yeah. It's, you can't, you just can't hold on to it all. I know, all totally. And then I think I channel that into like, okay, what can I do about it? <laughs> And you do. And yeah, which that's a whole other subject. But, um, but yeah, just, it is like having two patients and you've like essentially lost both, both of your of parents them. at the same time because one is so depressed and not themselves. I mean, because my parents were so happy. I mean, they had the best relationship. They were so in love. I mean, oh, so in love. Like you talk to, I love talking to my best friend from high school about it because she has so many like great memories of them. And I feel like that's just all I knew. It's what I grew up with. And so it's all I knew. And I don't know, it, just to watch them go from this happy couple who like loved each other so much to um, this like really depressed, dark cloud. Like I loved going home because it was always like the happiest place to hating going home because it was this like, dark depression cloud, you know, you walk into it and it's like depression 24 seven. And so, um, that's so important what you just said. Yes. I, I mean, used truly. to love going home. I did. I used to and love now it. You don't. Well, and it's gotten better now. And I, okay. So the progression of my mom ending up in this facility. And so, you know, it's so sad because when her mother had, um, Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever it was, they, she lived about an hour away from where my parents did. And she, my mom's dad, my grandmother did. And my mom's dad passed away when my mom was like in her early twenties of a heart attack. And so, um, she was living alone and they had to do something to where she was closer. And so they moved her into this facility and I mean, it was fine. It wasn't the best facility, but my mom would always be like, don't you dare ever put me in a facility like this. Oh, God. Like, I cannot be somewhere like this. I mean, she would basically be like, I'd rather be off dead than be in a place like that. So My mom has said that. Uh, I think that that has been looming over my dad, you know, in making this decision to put her somewhere because he knew that's not what she wanted. And so, you know, it got to the point where 
it was taking such a toll on his health. And I, I finally said to him, I was like, I cannot lose both of my parents to this disease. And so one Thanksgiving, what so we many previously have been talking about. Oh, yeah, totally. So what many is it, people like do. 25% of caregivers end up passing away I don't know. before the person oh my with gosh. Alzheimer's disease? Oh, so heartbreaking. It's not going to be your dad. No, well, and I think we're in a good place now. But, um, you know, so anyway, we had left after Thanksgiving. This was, I don't know, two and a half years ago. And my mom had a grand mal seizure while my dad was bathing her. And, you know, he was had to call the ambulance and he had no idea what was happening. He thought that that was it. Like she was dying right then and there, like having a stroke done. And he was freaking out because, you know, he's... 10 a good nine years older than her and so couldn't your dad is yes oh yes god i didn't realize that Mm -hmm. and so he couldn't pick her up to get her somewhere safe and so it it was just yeah so sad and so um turns out it was a seizure and um you know she was fine but that was kind of the end of the straw where i was like dad you need permission to put her ask a really horrible honest question yeah you don't even have to answer if you don't want to like you can totally say no okay when she had the stroke or or not sorry not stroke but when she had the seizure and your dad thought maybe this is a stroke did he call and tell you like that was happening and he wasn't sure what it was um i know i think my parents protect us from everything like literally everything it's like my brother and I talk about this, where it's like, we're always the last to know. Like, we could find right. out through my dad's best friend's daughter before my parents would tell us something like, oh, they had to biopsy this tumor or whatever. You know, it's like, we're always the last to know. And so I th- that, I can't remember. My dad, I feel like he called me from the hospital whenever they knew it was a seizure and not a stroke. So so here's the here's the hard question. Do you think there was a part of your dad that, like, prayed... Absolutely. Is this, is this the end? 100%. 100%. And yet you hear about these caregivers that are like, Oh gosh, I know. I just love her. And like, I'm totally throwing a friend of mine, Liz, under the bus right now. You're probably listening. Um, but she will go, she will literally drop her children off at school and go sit at a nursing home with her mom or memory care facility and hang out for like five hours. And and, and I, I try and give myself grace on this only because Hunter and you have been like, but you've been doing it for so long already. And you did do all that stuff for so many years. But I've reached a point where I'm like mentally just done. Like yeah. done. Like I can't I can't keep loving this person because it's too painful to keep loving them. It's like right. I've had to finally make a separation. And it's like, right. and I'm not going right. to say that there aren't times now even where like I embrace her and I kind of still hold on. But it's so painful to do that. Because I'm just trying to, like, love something that's not there. Right. And um, I told you about the Perlmutter thing that I did, right? Like, the end of Alzheimer's, and I got the book, and I did all the things. I mean, my poor mom was, like, eating raw broccoli and raw cauliflower for, like, three months. And I swear that there was, like, a small, like, uptick. And everybody says, like, whatever. When you have Alzheimer's, you can just naturally have an uptick like that. But I had so much hope and I got so excited that when she went back down, spiraling back down for no reason one day, still on the protocol, I was just, I think that's like where my hope just, it ended. Yeah. I couldn't, I wouldn't hold on after that. I know. 
it was just, um, but I think it was just an interesting experience to say the least to, to realize. And I mean, I, I will say like the rest of my holiday was just really rough Yeah, in trying sure. to sit with that emotion of like, okay, you've, you're, you're like preparing for her to really not be here anymore. Right. Um, that's the first time, but I think it's also like a self-protection. Right. Oh, it, it definitely is. Mechanism. Maybe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I have lots of self-protection mechanisms, and you just, but you have to, I mean, there's no way if you're fully immersed in her and her life like that, it just, you ha- you're a mother of three children. I mean, three young children, you have to be there for them and for your husband and you cannot be all the things to all the people. There has to be some bit of self-preservation and distance that you have. I don't know. There just has to be. And you know, did we talk? Did we talk about the Nutcracker? Did I tell you about that? I don't. Yeah, I think so. That I tell took. Me again. I took Madeline. Yeah, and, and Madeline. Yeah. Yes. So my my daughter's name for my mom, and every year we went to the Nutcracker. Whole life. And so this year I decided this is probably going to be the last year that I can like physically probably take her out to something like this. And so I got us tickets and we went, of course I dreaded it like all day instead of like looking forward to it with, you know, you know, funness or this is going to be a great night or whatever. It was just like, I can't believe I'm going to have to do this. This is going to be so painful. The whole time I'm going to be sitting there thinking sad thoughts about like all the times that we did this as a child. And Literally, I I couldn't even watch the ballet. Like, I was crying the entire time. I just kind of had to keep my hand up like this so Madeline wouldn't see me doing it because it was so... And it was emotional for two reasons. Like, one, I was thinking about all the times that we had done it together and how much she had sacrificed, especially, like, right when my parents had gotten divorced and things were so hard for her, or even when my... I lost a brother to cancer and when he passed away and when she was sick, we never missed one. And I can't even imagine like how Mm -hmm. she tore herself out to go do something like that, you know, especially like three months after my brother passed away. But I was thinking about all those times, but then I was also like getting really like choked up over the fact that what if this is me and Madeline someday? And what if she is sitting here taking care of me? So it was just like a double whammy. Yeah. It's like you're you're grieving for them. You're grieving for your child. Like I'm sad Madeline's going to lose her grandmother that she's so close to. And then you're like living right. in fear. Like, I know. And it's the fear part that, you know, sometimes that can slowly creep in. and I know. In some ways, but, though, I think about that. And I think about how lucky you are to have had all of this extra time with her yeah. in your adult years. Because I haven't lived at home since college and been in the same town as my parents. And you know, again, I think that helps me deal with my mom's Alzheimer's a lot easier. But at the same time, I missed out on so many of those precious memories of like with my children and, you know, just having that time together, like that really sucks too. So, you know, think of it positively and that's the thing I can't. Yes. It's in the memories. I can't. Like, that's the thing. Well, yeah, but she's not been herself for, God, like a decade. So even in, like, the midst of forming those memories, it was right. still hard. You know I what know. I mean? Because she's not her. I know. I'd almost, like, I think I would rather switch places with you in that, like, I never would have known. Right. I don't know. 
who knows which is worse. And truthfully, like, even in that, like, people ask me all the time, they're like, well, what's better? Like, when you lost your brother to cancer and it was like, you knew it was coming and then it was just over quick? (sighs) Or is this worse? This is worse. A hundred percent. And I don't even care that she's older. And it's like time for her to be getting, you know, going downhill or getting sick. Like, no, it's still worse. In like a hundredfold, it's worse. I compared it to, um, like when you lose someone suddenly or not, you know, even cancer is not super suddenly, but you know, you have about a year there, six months to sort of prepare yourself. It's at least like a beginning and a middle and an end to Mm -hmm. grief. Like there's a grieving process that you go through and then it's done and you can slowly start to rebuild your life. But Alzheimer's is like, you know, know. death by a thousand paper cuts or something. I've talked to my friend Amy about that a lot. She lost her dad to Parkinson's. And, uh, you know, had a, a similar situation. He had Louis... Louis body? Louis body dementia. And, um, That's how, when they get very violent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, super violent and hallucinogenic. And you're just not yourself. But how when your parent has a disease like that, how you grieve so much on the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they pass away... There's grieving that happens on the back end, but it's almost easier once they pass away versus somebody who has cancer. It's like you don't grieve on the front end. You grieve, grieve so much more after the they pass end. away. Yeah, on the back end. And so... God, I'm um, hoping that's true. I know. It really is so true. It's like... Uh, yeah. I'm going to hold on to that nugget. Right. I know exactly. That's a good nugget. I know. I've talked to her a lot about how to... Like, I can't even remember who my mom was. You know, like... It's like the... They say you will when they die. Yes. And that's what she told me, too. She was like, you would not believe the memories that came flooding back of my dad after he passed away. Like, it was like I remembered him for all the good and for who he was. And I just, like, cannot remember who she was. I did. No, you can't. I did a boombox for my mom. Yes. Oh, I remember that. Two years ago. And... That was hysterical. Her reaction opening that thing instead of like any sort of like normal emotion it was like, look how good I look. <laughs> she like could care <laughs> less about the fact that like all these people from her life had made her, mm-hmm. you know, all these special cards with wonderful words on them. I mean, she really just, it was, maybe it was almost like too much. Like she was just, this is too much. Maybe it was right, sad that's for her. probably her. The only way she knew to deal with it was, like, focus on myself. Like, oh, I look so good. I you know, so it was good. like, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> her so, defense mechanism. It was so ridiculous, the reaction. Like, we even have, like, a video of all the cousins, like, sitting around the fireplace as she's opening it. And, you know, we all expected it to be this, like, sad moment, sort of, or at least, like, a, like a bonding-type mm-hmm. moment where we could sort of all, I don't know, just pay tribute to her in, in a meaningful way that, we allowed ourselves, like all of us, to be emotional about what was going on. And instead yeah. it was just like this sterile, like yeah. kind of bizarre experience. But in in going through all these random people from her past, one of them had been like um, somebody that she worked with at the bank in Connecticut. And I don't even know how I got their address and phone number. Some serious like Google searching. I don't know. I love it. It was amazing. Some good detective work on the Google machine. But I found him because I just remembered her always talking about them and how well they'd worked together mm-hmm. and whatever. I never myself had met met the guy. And he he's like this very um, sort of, I don't want to use the word arrogant, but he's sort of this big, tough, like, you know, Northeast lawyer type. And when I first got him on the phone, he was like, now who is this? 
And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, it made me, like, nervous just to call him. And I was like, I am Madeline Ringgold's daughter. And I'm calling because my mom has early onset Alzheimer's. And I'm doing this memory box for her of, like, stories from her life and pictures. And I just, she always talked about you and loved you. And I'd like to include you in it. And there was just nothing, like crickets, for probably, like, 15 seconds to where I was like, uh, hello? <laughs> like, are you, did you are just hang up on me? Yeah. <laughs> and he just sighed deeply and then he took like this deep inhale and he just goes your mother no and i'm gonna start crying talking about it um not your mother your mother was the most amazing woman that i've ever known ever and I just realized in that moment, I was like, oh God, like this is going to go very differently than I thought this call was. And it was the beginning of unlocking an hour long conversation of him telling me who my mom was in a way that like I just hadn't thought about. I hadn't allowed myself to think about it in a decade. And he said, you know, especially in the Northeast, you know, you have so many people doing so many dishonest business dealings and your mom did it the right way every single time. And it didn't matter if she lost money on the deal and it didn't matter, you know, who it was gonna affect in a negative way, who was trying to make money off the deal, but like it was gonna be the most honest and best way with the most like dignity every time. And God, she was funny. And you know, she was such a lady and just on and on and on. I mean, from this just like bulldog crazy M&A lawyer, you know? Right. Who you were like, I, I used was, to think these things about her, but I forgot. <laughs> I forgot all of them. Yeah. I forgot all of them. And that's, you know, that's the part that really sucks too, is, mm. you know, you, you, you sort of lose your memories with them, losing yeah. theirs, because you are forced Currently. to kind of just yeah. defend the current reality and sort of sit with it and learn to adjust to it. But you, I guess in, in doing that, you do kind of just forget yeah um okay let's shift gears slightly because you are like a serious wealth well hold on before we start talking about that too before i wanted to say one more thing i think that's so sweet that you were able to have that conversation with that man and unlock all those memories because i'm one of the things that my dad always says is that with this disease my mom has lost so many friends and the people who would have claimed that they were her best friends have just fallen off the face of the planet. And they don't come, they don't see her. That's reprehensible. It, it's so sad. I, I know, and I kind of get it because it is, it's not like going to see somebody who has cancer and you can like rally around them and pray with them and whatever. I mean, cause they're still the same person. They're just ill. Well, I guess she is too, but like, I, you know, it's just so different. I, it, it's been so hurtful to my dad and to, into her probably to her she too, notices. But she, her she just her friends are not there anymore were they at the beginning no well i think in the beginning too my dad like i said hit it so much that right it was um i think it i think it was hard for people to come into that because he was hiding it and he he, he just hit it a lot um that's interesting so i don't that. know if that like drove people away too because he was so secretive about it but my mom started driving people away herself. Like, her, her very best friend. I don't even know. Oh, so when I took the kids to Connecticut, where I'm from, yes. three summers ago, yeah, yeah. and like rented, rented the house, house yeah. by myself mm-hmm. and did all that. So I reached out 
to her old best friend. I mean, her old best friend was like 15 years younger than her. She was this great Irish woman. Um, she worked with her and they became really, really close. And so like when my mom and my stepdad would take trips, Jillian would often come stay with me, like babysit me. So we were really close too. And I mean, she came to my wedding, you know, the whole nine yards. And I reached out to her while I was up there and she immediately responded and was like, I would love to see you. Just tell me where you are. Basically, I'm going to drive down right now and see you. She lives about an hour away. And she just said, you know, I'm so sick to know that your mom is ill, but I'm in some ways like glad because she had pushed me and Eileen away and she had sort of done a few things and acted in a way that was just so uncharacteristic yes. that Eileen and I were like, what is wrong with her? What is wrong with her? Like, and yeah. I think at some, at some point, my mom working with one of her other friends, like kind of threw her under the bus at work and like, I think might've been the cause of getting her fired. And so of course her friend was like, you know, well, we're not friends anymore. Right. And that was one of her dearest friends. And so that they split off then. And this was all probably like a year before the memory loss stuff started. But the personality things that happen, like that, that precede the memory loss, are sometimes what really go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. And like they do start, like I'm convinced that my mom may not never have left my stepdad mm-hmm. unless she was sick. Like I think that was the first of sort of irrational right. decisions that she started making and doing right. that preceded the actual memory loss. Like I right. think the disease starts manifesting itself in ways that are not just. Right. I forgot what day it is, or I forgot what month it is, or who's president. Totally. Um, Which is part of what makes the disease so impossible to diagnose is because, well, what's wrong with them? You know, or maybe they're just depressed, and so they're making these bad decisions, or they're withdrawing, or they're not being themselves. Totally. Totally.